right. Thank you, Julia. Um, well, I know that uh, many of you are on Facebook, and so maybe you can relate to this. Um, a while back, Facebook started doing this thing where it will remind you periodically of pictures you've shared in the past, posts you've shared in the past. You know what I'm talking about? Where it'll say, like, on this day, X number of years ago, you posted this. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what your experience of that has been like, but uh, for me, I've found sometimes it's fun. Like, sometimes Facebook will show me uh, an old picture of my kids that I hadn't seen in a while, or some picture from vacation that I haven't thought about in a while, or sometimes Facebook will show me pictures from uh, a few years ago, like the very early days of Kindred Church, where we were just this small group meeting in my living room. And I look at that, and I'm like, wow, how, how much have we grown, and how far have we come? It's fun to see. But, but other times, uh, this little feature on Facebook is not so fun because maybe you've experienced this. Sometimes Facebook reminds me of things I don't really want to remember. Uh, I'll give you some examples. This is embarrassing, but apparently uh, I went through this phase when I was in college where I would get on Facebook sometimes and I would unload these emotional rants about my favorite sports teams because I guess I figured the world needed to know my thoughts and opinions on NC State football and things like that. I don't really want to remember that, but sometimes Facebook reminds me. Or um, apparently I went through a phase when I was in seminary where I would share on Facebook what I was learning in my biblical Greek class, complete with Greek words in the Greek alphabet I guess I thought this would be impressive to, to people. Uh, I don't really want to remember that, but, but sometimes Facebook will remind me. Uh, I'll give you one more example because this is too much vulnerability. But um, uh, when, when I was in my early 20s, I went through this phase where I, I this is hard to imagine, I know, but I, I grew my hair out and it was like long and shaggy. And at the time I thought this is so cool and this is so flattering. It was not cool. It was not flattering. I don't really want to remember that, but, but sometimes Facebook will remind me. Uh, these are obviously some, some silly examples, but I'm actually getting to a, a serious point. And the point is, sometimes in life, our past comes back to haunt us, right? Sometimes in life, our past comes back to haunt us. And often when that happens, it's more serious than some cringy old Facebook posts. Uh, for some of us, it, it could be a mistake that we made in our past, that we ruined a relationship with a family member or a friend, or we did something that ended up costing us our marriage or, or ruined our finances. And it's in the past, but still that, that guilt and the shame uh, and the, the regret of that, it, it still weighs on us in the present, right? Or for others of us, it could be something that happened to us in the past, that we lost a loved one, somebody we cared about, or maybe we got rejected in a, a painful way from a school we applied to or a job we applied to. Maybe, maybe we were mistreated in some way. And again, it's, it's in the past, but the pain, the, the struggle of that, it, it still haunts us in, in the present. Uh, if you were with us last week, we started a new sermon series. It's kind of loosely based on the story of A Christmas Carol, the, the one about Ebenezer Scrooge. And... Um, that, this is a big part of that story, right, if you're familiar with it. Scrooge, the main character, he's a guy who is haunted by his past. There's a moving part of that story where uh, we get to, to go back in time, and we see some experiences in Scrooge's past. And you may remember that there was a time when Scrooge was like a schoolboy, 
And as the scene unfolds, we see that he didn't always fit in with his classmates. And a lot of times he would get left out when the other boys were playing. And we find out that in Scrooge's childhood, uh, he didn't have a very good relationship with his father. It was strained. He never felt loved and, and embraced by his father. A little later in his life, we see when Scrooge was a young man, he had this experience where he was just starting out in his career And he got so obsessed with advancing in his career and and making money, he kind of unintentionally alienated his fiancée at that time to the point that eventually his fiancée broke up with him, she left him, and she decided to marry another man instead, right? Very, Very, very painful. And we come to find out that these painful experiences in Scrooge's past are part of what makes him so angry and grumpy in the present. It's part of why he hates Christmas, so much because Christmas is a reminder to him of all of these things in his past that he went through. It's a part of the story that makes Scrooge a more relatable character to many of us, I think, because we know what it's like when our past comes back to haunt us, right? And a lot of times when we're in that place where we're feeling the weight of our past, it doesn't just affect us in the present, but it can also shape our outlook of the future, because it can feel like in those, in those moments that nothing is ever going to change, it's always going to be the same, that this pain, this struggle is always going to be with me. Um, a few weeks ago, I was, uh, I was playing with my daughter. She, she's four years old, and it was almost her bedtime. And so we're in her room, and bedtime's the whole thing in our house. If you have kids, you, you may relate to that. But uh, my daughter was, uh, before she went to bed, she wanted to show me her, her cartwheels and her handstands that she had been working on. So she was doing that, and she was doing a handstand, and at one point she topples over. And it would have been harmless, except when she fell over, her foot came down really hard on the bed frame, and it kind of made a, a pretty deep cut in her foot, and she was all upset. And, and so we went to the bathroom, we got it cleaned up, and we did the Neosporin and the Band-Aid. And normally she would have kind of settled down by that point, but, but she was still very, very upset. And so I was talking with her, trying to figure out what, what's wrong, and, and come to find out, in her four-year-old mind, she didn't know that this cut was something that was going to heal, right? She, she was upset and scared and worried because she thought this cut and the pain of this cut was going to be with her forever. And so I was able to, to tell her about, no, it's going to heal and it's going gonna, it's gonna to get better. Now, I share that story to say that adults, we, we, we kind of do the same thing sometimes. When we're in a place of pain and struggle, when we've got grief or loss from our past, it can feel like this is, this is always going to be with me. It's always going to be weighing me down. And so the question I want to get us thinking about together today is what is our hope when we're in that place, when we're feeling the weight of our past, and especially when our past is shaping our outlook for the future, what is our hope? And I want to spend a few minutes with you this morning in this passage from Matthew chapter 4 that we just heard. There's a very powerful message of hope here for us, and I think it's especially relevant to us in this Advent season Uh, But before we dive into the scripture and and explore that a little bit, would you join me in a word of prayer? Oh, gracious God, we are so thankful to you for this time when we can be together and and look at your word. God, we we pray that you would come with your Holy Spirit and open up our hearts now. God, help us to hear the words of love and comfort that you have for us always. But God, we also ask you to to push us and, and challenge us in the ways that we need it so that we can be transformed and live the life that you created us to live. Uh, We pray all of this in the name of Jesus, who is the living word. Amen. Well, at the beginning of Matthew 4 here in this passage, uh, we meet these two guys, and their names are Peter and Andrew. They're brothers, 
And we actually don't know a lot about their past. We don't know much about their background and the things that they had been through in their life. But here's what we do know. Peter and Andrew were fishermen. And they had this joint fishing business on the Sea of Galilee, which is in the northern part of Israel. It's Jesus' home region. We'll talk about Jesus more in, in just a second. And um, so, so there's a lot we don't know about Peter and Andrew outside of the fact that they were fishermen. But that tells us some things. It tells us a little about, about their daily life. Basically, every day, Peter and Andrew would have woken up before dawn while it was still dark, and they would go out in their boat on the Sea of Galilee. And when they got out there, they would drop their nets, and that would, they would try to catch as many fish as they possibly could. And some days were better than others, but they wanted to catch as many fish as they could, and then they would drag the nets and the fish back to shore. They would unload the fish, they would clean the nets, they would take the fish to the market, and they would try to sell as many fish as they possibly could. And then they would go home, and they would go to sleep, and they would wake up the next day, and they would do the same thing all over again. Their life wasn't easy, but it was pretty simple, and it was pretty straightforward. Now, based on their past as fishermen, and based on their present as fishermen, Peter and Andrew thought they knew how their future would unfold. They expected that they were going to keep fishing day after day, year after year, until they reached an age where they physically couldn't work anymore. And in that society, they didn't have 401k, right? They didn't have social security. And so at that point in life, hopefully they would have some family members, they would have some friends who could take care of them until their final days. They thought, based on their past and, and, and present, what their, their future, they thought that's what it would be. Just like many of us think we can see our future based on our, our past in our present. But we'll watch what happens next in the story. Now, one day, it doesn't really matter which day because all their days were basically the same, but one day, uh, it just so happened Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus, at some point, he, he looks up and he sees Peter and Andrew. And what are they doing? Well, they, they've just come in from fishing and they're cleaning their nets. And we don't really know why. There's not a lot of explanation about this. But for some reason, Jesus decides he's going to call Peter and Andrew to come and be his very first disciples. He says, come and follow me. And for some reason, again, there's not a lot of explanation about this. But, but Peter and Andrew, I guess they, they feel this draw to Jesus. And so they leave what they're doing and they start to follow Jesus. Now, what they couldn't know at the time was that Jesus was about to lead them into a future that they never could have imagined. And it started right away. They, they, they first start following Jesus. They're still getting to know him. And in those early days, pretty much they're just shadowing Jesus. Some of you know this story. They're, they're kind of following Jesus around, literally, and they're just watching him teach. They're watching him preach to the crowds. They're watching him heal people and, and cast out demons. And, and already they're beginning to see things they never could have imagined. Well, then a little while later, Jesus, being a good leader, he starts delegating authority to Peter and Andrew and these other disciples that he's collected, and he sends them out to teach and preach and heal and cast out demons. And now they're doing things that they never could have imagined, right? Fast forward three years, what happens? Jesus gets arrested, he gets crucified, then he gets raised from the dead. That was something that they never could have imagined. And after that, did Peter and Andrew and the other disciples, did they go back to their daily life? Did they go back to the life that they thought they were going to live before they ever met Jesus? No, not at all, because Jesus sent them out into the world far beyond Galilee. He sent them out to carry his message of love and his message of grace to as many people as they could reach. 
And we, we know a little bit more about what happens to Peter than we do Andrew. Peter goes on to be one of the most influential leaders in the early church. Did you know this? Peter was the first church leader to declare that Gentiles, that is non-Jews, people like most of us, Peter was the first church leader to declare that Gentiles could be fully included in the life and leadership of the church. Pretty big deal. And then Peter goes on to, uh, he travels as far as Rome in Italy, the capital of the Roman Empire, and he becomes the leader, the bishop of that first church in Rome. This is why our, our Catholic brothers and sisters would say that Peter is the very first pope. You see? He's a long way from Galilee at that point. And Peter's life and his legacy were so influential in the Christian faith that 1,500 years after his death, so some Christians in Rome built this basilica that they named after Peter. And still 2,000 years later, after his death, tourists still flock there. Some of you may have been there. That, that's his life and, and legacy. I mean, I bet all of us know somebody named Peter, which traces its origins back to this very same Peter. Now, here's the point that I'm making. At the beginning of this story, Peter and Andrew, they thought they knew how their future was going to unfold. They thought they were going to live out their days as simple fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. But then they started following Jesus, and he led them to a future that they never could have imagined. Well, here's the takeaway. Here's why I'm telling you this this morning. The same is true for you, and the same is true for me. Not that people will be naming their kids after us 2,000 years from now. That seems unlikely. But, but here's the deal. When we're feeling the weight of our past, and when our future is seeming bleak because of the things that we've been through in our past, if like Peter and Andrew in this story, if we can just keep following Jesus, he's going to lead us to a future that we could never have imagined. And I bet that for many of us, particularly if you've been following Jesus for any length of time, if, if you press pause and take a step back, you can probably see how Jesus has already done this in your life, in, in your own experience. You know, I'll give you some examples. Some of you have told me that there was a point in your past where you lost somebody that you loved, that you cared about deeply, and you were in a place of, of overwhelming grief and pain and, and sadness, and, and you didn't see how that was ever going to change. But just like Peter and Andrew in this story, you found a way to, to keep following Jesus one step at a time. And, and what happened over time, you came to discover this hope that you didn't even know was possible because you came to believe more and more that the love of Jesus is actually stronger than death and that we have this God who loves us so much. God is never going to let death separate us forever from, from the folks that we love and that we care about. You see, Jesus has led you into a future that at one point in your past you never, you never could have imagined. Or some of you have told me that at one point in your past you were wrestling with an addiction and it had a grip on you and you were in the pit of despair and you didn't see how things were ever going to change. But what did you do? Like Peter and Andrew in the story, you, you found a way to keep following Jesus one step at a time, one day at a time. And in the process, you, you, you discovered Jesus' love and his grace and his forgiveness and his mercy and his strength and, and his healing. And you have made so much progress on your recovery journey that you would have never thought possible. Jesus has led you into a future that at that point in your past, you, you never could have imagined, right? Uh, some of you have told me that you grew up in a, a very broken family, a family that was very dysfunctional. 
And as a result, there were times in your past when you wondered if, if you would ever be in a community where you could truly belong. You wondered if you would ever find people who could truly love you and, and value you in a healthy way. But, but what did you do? You, you followed Jesus one day at a time, one step at a time. And Jesus has led you to this church family. Jesus is giving you brothers and sisters and, and siblings in this body of Christ like ones that you never had in your biological family. You're finding a place of belonging that you never thought possible at that point in your past, right? But Jesus has led you into a future that you never could have imagined. Some of you have told me, I could go on and on with examples, some of you have told me that, that throughout your life you've struggled in your relationship with money. And there's been times in your past when it's been overwhelming, the, the debt and the, the frustration and the burden of, of that. And you thought it would never change, but, but you kept following Jesus. And what have you learned? You, you've learned more and more how to place your trust in God over money. More and more you're learning how to, to, to trust God as your source of peace and security and fulfillment in life. And as a result, you're finding this degree of financial freedom that you would have never thought possible. Je Jesus is leading you into a future that you never could have imagined. La last example. Uh, we've experienced this collectively as a church just here recently. Uh, you know, at the beginning of October, many of you know this story, the beginning of October, we were told by the movie theater where we used to worship that we were going to need to be out by the end of the month because the theater was going out of business. And so we commenced a, a scramble to try to find a new place for Kindred Church to meet. And I got to tell you, I tried to spare most of you the, the stress as much as I could of, of that early search process, but there were some days, Candace can tell you, there were some days when there weren't really many great viable options on the table. The future was not looking so bright for Kindred Church. I, I distinctly remember there was one point where I was, um, I was researching and looking into this sketchy nightclub to see if we could have church in there on Sunday mornings. Childcare would have been a little bit of a challenge in that environment. We'd have to triple our Clorox budget for sure. Um, but then what happened? We, we didn't give up. We kept following Jesus, trusting Jesus one step at a time, and then Jesus opened the door for us to, to land here at Lions Farm. And we've been here just a, a very short time, but I think already we have a sense that this is a really good place for our church. You see, J Jesus led us to this future that, that we never could have imagined. That's what Jesus does. That's who Jesus is. And I think it's especially important for us to reflect on that in this season of Advent. This is the time when we're preparing our hearts for Christmas do you know why Jesus came into this world? Well, one reason was to do exactly this. Jesus came to lead the whole world, to lead all of God's creation into a future that we never could have imagined, a future without evil or sin or death. Jesus came to lead us into a future without regret or shame or pain or suffering. Scripture says Jesus came to lead us into this future where God is going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. Can you imagine that? This future where we can live the life that God created us for, not just a little bit, not just temporarily, but, but in the fullness for, forever and ever. That's who Jesus is, and that's what Jesus does. And so my encouragement for you today, especially when you're feeling the weight of your past, just like Peter and Andrew, keep putting one foot in front of the other. Keep following Jesus. What does that mean in practical terms? It means keep praying. Don't stop praying. Keep reading scripture so that you can keep getting to know Jesus better and better and his love for you and his character and his calling on you. Keep showing up to worship like this so you can spend time with Jesus, so you can spend time in this, what we call the, the body of Christ, this community 
Like keep finding ways to serve and to volunteer in your daily life. Be a blessing to people around you at home and at work. Keep actively following Jesus because what's going to happen if you do that? Jesus is going to lead you. Sooner or later, one way or another, Jesus is going to lead you into a future that you never could have imagined. And in the meantime, while you're waiting for that future to arrive, and sometimes, you know, some of us are there, I know, right now. Like, come on, Jesus, bring that future. Let's pick up the pace. Part of the reason Jesus came into this world is to show us that he is with us. He's walking beside us. He's got his arm around us. And he's going to stay with us every step of the way. Let me pray for us. Oh, gracious God, um, as you well know, Many of us, most of us, almost all of us carry some baggage from our past, Lord. We have done things that we're not proud of. We've done things that have hurt ourselves and, and hurt people that we care about, Lord. We've hurt people that you care about. God, you also know that uh, all of us have been through things that have hurt us, Lord, that, that through no fault of our own, we, we've got these scars. And, and all of this not only weighs us down in the present, Lord, but it, it shapes how we see the future and it can leave us feeling bleak. At times it can leave us feeling hopeless. And so we, we thank you so much that you're a God who doesn't leave us alone in that, that you're a God who is determined to help us carry our burdens. And so you've come among us as one of us to help us shoulder the load and to, to lead us one step at a time into this good future that you have for us. Uh, Lord, we we pray that you would continue to lift us up. And God, for, for everybody here this morning, everybody listening to this who, who's feeling that weight right now, God, would you help them to take the next step and the next step and the next step. And God, bring about that good future that you've promised us so all of us can enjoy that and enjoy you and enjoy one another in a fully healed, fully redeemed creation forever and ever. Thank you for this, Jesus, and we, we pray all of this in your name. Amen. Come in.